I like believing my team's trying. Put it that way. I, so do you think the Cardinals model is better? I think, yeah. I, I think it's not only better. I think it's it's obviously got more integrity. If every team did it, the game, I mean, that, that would go miles toward fixing what's wrong with the game these days. Every year a fan can can go into a season thinking, you know, if things fall right, you know, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to be bad, but you're always there. Of course that's a better model. Of course it is. That's extraordinary to be able to have year after year after year where almost every game means something. That's a product worth buying a ticket for. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball, brought to you by Closet by Design of St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould, coming this week from the general manager's meetings and kind of getting the podcast back up on the ground after the usual delay because of all the travel around the World Series and, you know, the chance to catch the breath. And it's not like anything's happened with the Cardinals since the last podcast. So it's been a... It's been a chaotic start to the offseason for the Cardinals with the firing of manager Mike Schilt, the hiring of manager Oliver Marmol, and all the stuff that spun from that. I'm joined this week here in Carlsbad, California by NBC Sports Chicago Cubs and baseball writer Gordon Whitmire. Gordon, it's November 11th as we're recording this, and really there are only two teams alive left in the in the National League Central and I'm talking about for 2022 what what gives well first of all Derek can, congratulations on the division championship in 2022 the Yukon Jack just the traveling yeah, trophy stays the Yukon I have Jack. it well, why didn't we break it up oh, I, I mean, should have brought it with I couldn't bring it on the plane oh okay well you might as well just drink it and send us a selfie okay the traveling trophy is the Yukon Jack. It goes to. It has a long storied history. There's a legend of the Yukon Jack that goes with it. It's, a whole it, podcast it's now. By itself. It's now. A, yeah, it's a whole podcast by itself. It's now eight years running, I guess. But it uh, it stays with the rider whose team lasted the longest into the postseason. Not the division champ, but the one that got the furthest into October. Because in the end, that's what matters. And what's funny is it started with Chicago. It was in Chicago for years, and, and I. I can't imagine it's going to see Chicago again before it's empty. Where is it going to see next? I mean, Cincinnati? One or two. (laughs) Cincinnati. Cincinnati, the team that uh, released a guy to save a million dollars on a buyout clause. Yeah, Yeah, no, uh, there's two teams left standing in the division (laughs) next year already. And there's Milwaukee or or St. Louis. and, And honestly... I mean, Milwaukee might have ceiling, but their floor could fall out from under them, especially since they're listening on Hader. These guys think they can win a World Series, and they might trade Josh Hader anyway. It could be a one-team division, Derek. What do you, I mean, could it be like a, a one-team time zone? I mean, it's not like the American League Central is robust with challengers. That's I a guess, great point. At I, least Detroit's going to try. Detroit, yeah. I mean, Detroit picked up what Cincinnati was dumping in, in Tucker Barnhart and they've got some young talent and if they spend anything some people have them linked to some of the big shortstops mm-hmm. on the market and they could move up especially in a division that has uh, you know some some bottom feeders so how do we get here what 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 do you think led to this particularly from the perspective of the Cubs where you saw them basically eject their core into you know into the into, into the void and walk away from a group that, let's be candid, only in the end won one World Series championship, which was a big one, but it won one, 
not as many division titles as they hoped, and they're really not a stronger franchise having been through that today than they were seven years ago. No, and and, and that's the biggest failure of all of, of that group. And I and, and I'm and I don't mean the players when I say that group either. I'm, I'm talking about the people that put it together when when. Theo uh, Epstein and Jed Hoyer and Jason McLeod and that, that group came in and took over. They, can, can I say pissed on? Sure. They, so they they pissed on the regime before. They pissed on the organization and, and talked about all these grand plans. Well, one of the things they promised was, two of the things they promised was a player development machine and a foundation for sustained success. They weren't going to pay big money for past performances and they were going to build a farm system that would continue to 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 backfill when some of the guys aged up. They haven't developed a pitcher. They haven't developed a starting pitcher the entire time they were there who uh, lasted a full season for them, who I don't know if anybody has pitched. Maybe maybe Zach Godley for somebody else made 30 starts once. But nobody, nobody, they developed essentially no pitching, uh, none that threw a playoff pitch for them. And uh, and now, honestly, I don't. I, I think the objective observers would say the system is no better than it was when they took over, and probably worse. But keep in mind, two of their best postseason performers in that run they had were holdovers: Javi Baez and Wilson Contreras. They were already in the system. Mm-hmm. This system that they pissed on, this 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 player development effort and processes that they that they had no use for when they came in produced two of the best players that came out of that system in the time they were there and they traded away another one dj lemayhew right um for for essentially nothing because they they didn't believe in his skill set as as a guy that had just broken into who, the big who did they get in return for that deal <laughs> are you messing with me no no i no i that kinda. was the ian stewart trade I know, I know, and I but know. but here's the here's yeah. the way that went down that with was the rockies so Ian Stewart, who kind of looked the part, a first-round draft pick, had a 20-home run season, I think, as a rookie. And then there was Tyler Colvin of the Cubs, who was a first-round pick, had a 20-homer season as a rookie. Both of them had declined significantly in, in the ensuing year or two and were perfect change-of-scenery candidates. It was a nice even swap if you'd have just left it there. But um, the Rockies, smartly, wanted D.J. LeMahieu, too, and basically... The Cubs said, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll throw in D.J. LeMahieu, just give us somebody else, and they took Casey Weathers back. How, how far are we supposed to say who? Okay, who? Yeah, Casey Weathers, exactly. <laughs> I have missed my cue, sorry. So where does this lead? I mean, the, so the Cubs have former Cardinals director of amateur scouting, basically the draft leader in Dan Kantrovitz. He's now with the Cubs. He's coming up on his third draft with the Cubs, correct? Uh, yes. So this will be, and he has. He has drafted pitching high. Right. He's focused on the pitching. Cubs didn't do yeah. this, and you know. Let, let me just finish off one more point on that farm system thing because the, the the narrative for ten years has been they can't develop pitching, but really, if you take away single digit first round picks that were college hitters, which are the highest percentage players out of any draft, mm-hmm. they develop nobody. Yeah. I mean, really, a David Bodie, a 13th rounder, 5th round, I don't remember what he is. But he hasn't proven that he's that he's right. anything either. And even those single-digit first rounders, they include Schwarber, who who they non-tendered, uh, finally made an all-star team for another team. Ian Happ, who's 
maybe still a non-tender candidate this year, hasn't put together a full season, even close uh, to it, had massive dips in performance hits. Chris Bryant's the one guy. Chris Bryant's the one guy that they've developed. But he was by far, hands down, the best player in the country, best college hitter in the country. He basically developed himself. He got to the big league so fast. And they got him with the second pick because Houston tried to outsmart everybody and didn't take the best player available yeah. in the draft. So the Cubs are fortunate. Well, not only that, but the Cubs said at the time and have admitted since that Mark Appel, who, who uh, Houston did take number one, yeah. was their number one, too. Wow. So had Houston taken Bryant... Which uh, everyone thought was like, that's the best player. You're right. Then the then the Cubs would have taken Mark Appel. Imagine what the player development record looks like the last ten years if you take Mark Appel and put him in place of Chris Bryant. So the the Cubs, unable to develop homegrown pitching, have had to shop outside. They went and got you know former Cardinal John Lester, which I can say now, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I can call. I can call him that. Okay. Um, the, through free agency, uh, Cardinals legend John Lester. Right. Um, the so then you so you have him, but uh, but their their need for pitching still is so acute that then they pick up Wade Miley this winter. Right, really, this is the story of what happened. This is how they got here. Okay. They paid the luxury tax three times in the last six years, the last yes, the last six seasons, and twice was because they their lack of player development put them in the, this. This chasing money hole, and uh, so they they had, I mean they had higher payrolls that included more dead money on them than any previous Cubs regime. So uh, you know, I'm, it's it's kind of funny where it ended up after by the time Theo resigned last winter. But yeah, to to your point, they had to pay for pitching every part of the pitching. The year that they finally missed the playoffs after a five year run in or four year run in 2019. Mm-hmm. They had $138 million tied up in pitching alone, which was more than the combined payrolls, entire payrolls, of Tampa Bay and Baltimore that year. Oh, my gosh. And they, So they divest themselves of talent this winter, or I'm sorry, during the season. They trade off essentially um, the A-team of their franchise. And, you know, every recognizable face except for Wilson Contreras was essentially traded. That allows them to plunge in the standings, um, absolutely plunge in the standings. May have even, you could probably argue, helped the Cardinals rise in the standings. That that was such a fascinating contrast because yeah, no when, when the Cardinals were there at the All-Star break, they both had about the same record, mm-hmm. and they were both talking very differently about the next coming weeks. The Cardinals thought, you know, well, we're going to contend and we're going to make something of this, and the Cubs, who had the same record, were like, well, I guess we'll, you know, hey, goodbye, everybody. You know, they're doing goodbye parties, um, you know, knowing that Brian wasn't likely going to be there in a few weeks. So, um, but that allows them to tumble in the standings. That also allows them to raise in the rise in the waiver claim order. They can then get Miley from yes. the Reds, and so what you have is like the the two tanking teams. One like signaling its wish to move on and tumble in the standings and the other one because it tumbled in the standings able to claim a pitcher that they thought well we're not going to get that price on the open market but we need innings from somewhere it's just that's it's almost like that's no one's paying attention to the standings now we have to like root for the waivers well this was something that scott boris brought up right and i know he's he's a polarizing guy in the game and a lot of people have no use for him and he, and he walks into every one of those media scrums with an agenda there's no question about good it. but that doesn't make him wrong 
And he is absolutely right about tanking being a scourge in this game. And it is it is destroying the, not only the integrity of the game, but it is just... Look at how many 100-win teams we've had in recent years. Look how many 100-loss teams we've had. These teams... Well, are these 100-win teams as good as uh, those... The 108-win Orioles teams with Jim Palmer or the big red machine? Or, it, it's really hard to make those comparisons where you used to kind of be able to do that because every you know you measure people against your, your peers, but there, there's there's such disparity anymore intentionally that it's it's really it's really probably for all the talk about pace of the game, I think. This is the biggest crisis in baseball, the tanking crisis. When the Cubs did it, they became the first non-small market team to intentionally tank a full major league season. I don't know about that. Houston is a non-small team. Okay, let me let me say a a a major healthy, baseball reliable, market. Uh, yes, but but even Houston at the time was having carriage issues with their fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they were having cash flow issues at the time. Cubs have never had cash flow issues. Right, right. And so uh, I think when the Cubs did it, it was historic. I mean, they're truly a big market team. They're a a top three and four revenue-producing team annually, historically, um, and have made record revenues in recent years. They literally, this is a, a, not only, I've got sourcing on this from from people in their offices talking about this, as well as, what Forbes said, but in 2012, when the Cubs lost 100 games for the first time since the 60s, they were the number one most profitable team in baseball that year. And I think that maybe had, to, I think the Yankees might have had some debt on the books or something, mm. or some capital investments they were making at the time that 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 took them off, off the top spot. But yeah. the Cubs were literally number one that year because their spending was so far down, and because they're just because. They're a revenue machine, um, and uh, they, they might have had a new s- s- bunch of suites open up or something like that, or s- some new revenue source. I can't remember what it was, but they bumped up to the top that year. They were number one, and they've been in the top three or four ever since. Their, their revenues have continued to climb exclusive of the pandemic, the pre-pandemic record, and then they, they bounced right back. Yeah, so, so it's... Uh, so if doing that, if the Cubs tanking and then building and went getting the World Series title in 2016 and now find themselves in this same spot again, Houston tanking, absolutely stripping down. And, and my argument, and to talk to Jeff Luno about this, was similar to what you know Boris was talking about, that it changes the integrity of the standings when teams tank. It shifts no because yeah. of the imbalanced schedule. It shifts like if you have a tanking team in your division, you can radically change who is a contending team because they can get fat on Back to the two-team division. Right? Yeah. Right. Um, so if tanking got the Cubs to the peak, but they couldn't sustain it, and now they're back in the valley again. Houston tanked, got you know the pennants to prove it, um, but now are having to deal with a possible loss of a franchise player through free agency. What good is tanking? Is it is it the adrenaline rush, and is it just kind of like these wild oscillations that we see what of good team is tanking for who? Well, it's not good for the fans. Well, that's what I'm saying. For these teams, like they they well, tank they, and they can't sustain, so it's just a roller coaster. There's one group of people it's good for. Well, there's two groups of people it's good for. The owners, clearly, mm-hmm. it's cost cutting at the same time, and the game's already profitable for the first time ever. 
I, be, I believe this is true, and, and you've done some research on this. You can tell me if it's true. I believe everybody in the game is making money annually. Yes. And that that legitimately didn't used to be the case. A lot of times, but your franchise value always went up. So you, but you couldn't sell it, so it didn't matter. Right. right? Yeah. So, so, but there were teams that they could borrow against it, and that's right. how they would make money. And yeah. and you know, it didn't take full cooking of the books right. to demonstrate a loss. No, every every team has revenue in part because the rights fees are so high. Yes. Because live TV, Absolutely. live sports TV and, is and, so valuable. And by the way, this is part of what drives tanking too. Because I had this conversation almost 20 years ago during the contraction crisis. I was covering the Twins. I had this conversation because what was starting to happen was rights fees were going up. Mm-hmm. Attendance was staying about the same. And you could see the piece of the pie starting to change. Where attendance always, for 100 years, was the revenue driver. The great revenue driver in baseball. And all of a sudden, this century, it has, uh, early in the century, it began to shift. Yeah. Now it is fully swung the other way. The re- big revenue drivers in the game are television and broadcast right. revenues. And so... Major League people in Major League Baseball's offices close to 20 years were watching this very closely because they their thinking was we cannot survive as a studio game like the NFL can. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We play every day. We need to draw people to the ballpark every day. That requires putting something on the field worth paying a ticket price for. And so it in individual markets. So, like this is a this is a the pie gets bigger with all these broadcast revenues, especially the national money. That 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 makes everybody richer. But within these individual markets, so you don't have to you you don't feel as compelled to sell every ticket. And as soon as you don't feel compelled to sell every ticket, you don't have to put something worth a ticket on the field mm-hmm. in a given year. It, so, from an ownership or a business operation standpoint, it's a little easier to suck it up for a couple of years and tank. Now, then on the other side of things, that also puts money directly in your pocket because you're not spending it on players. And then from, from the executive standpoint, it allows them a surer path to having more talent at one time at some point on your roster that's under club control for a number of years. It also allows you, in theory, additional job security because if you're able to convince everybody that you're the smart guy who's got this figured out and we're losing 100 games but that's part of winning that buys you more years on your career so so how then bring it back to the division then you got three teams the pirates the reds and the cubs that are rebuilding right that's the euphemism (laughs) rebuilding (laughs) well i don't even like like i mean they're they're tanking they're 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 they're, friggin trying they're pulling the plug on 2022 by the way and i'm sure you know this not the cba but there's an internal set of baseball rules that every team has and every employee for every team and and any and and any entity within under the game's umbrella is is required to follow these rules one of the biggest, most famous, long-term rules is basically a tanking rule. It's it's the rule about not throwing games. It's right. the rule about you you must. That rule is written in a way that includes everybody. GM. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, it lists everybody. And the punishment is severe for. The punishment yeah. is being banned for life. Period. Yeah, yeah. And and so, these GMs that are tanking, like you're not allowed to to compromise one game 
GMs that intentionally and admittedly tank a whole season to try to win in a later year should be banned for life. What's going to be the rule? That's bold. I think they should. I have actually written that and people laugh at me. Yeah. Because it ain't going to happen. Yeah. But no, because it's an accepted I didn't business write model the now. Damn rule. now. Now it's a cheered on. Now you're the. Now it's smart to do this. Right. That's now, it. now it's celebrated too. And, now and it's like how 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 wise this and, and it's, what it's, a friggin' chump you are if you buy clever. Into that. You're clever. Yeah, yeah. And, and they, they've got all these all yeah. these uh, Ivy League guys in polo shirts walking around running these departments that that. Wait, I'm wearing a polo shirt. Yeah, but, yeah. With all due respect, uh, Derek. Sorry, I'm not Ivy. It's fine. Um, but but yeah, so they. I mean, there is Ivy. There is Ivy at Mizzou. Yeah. Uh, let me give you an example. When Theo came in, it's the Harvard of Mid Missouri. I was, I was just giving you. The, I was trying to ignore that so that you could move on. <laughs> <laughs> when Theo came in, his very first press conference with the media, as you can imagine, in Chicago, the place, the, the room was crushed with mm-hmm. cameras, and he broke off after the podium. He broke off with some writers. And, I mean, the media was fawning over him. This is Theo friggin' Epstein. He not only broke the curse, but he's, he's like this, this child genius. And, and he's the smartest guy in baseball. And he, he, he could literally do anything, but he's decided to come and save the Cubs. Yeah. One guy, I, I, I swear to God, a columnist in Chicago asked him, Theo, um, you're, you're so intelligent and well-rounded and educated you could do anything you could you could be a, a doctor a cancer researcher a supreme court just why baseball i i about threw up i mean give me a break and so but this is that's an example of what's happened in the game in terms of the new breed that's come in there's a there's an element of the media that sort of tries to Think along with them and be smart guys, too. And then you hear on talk radio all the time, well, look, their job is to win a championship. If you can't win a championship, then, you know, you might as well do this. You know? Well, it was Boris's point was it was like it's an all or nothing, right? Like you, yeah. you, you either go all in because you think you can win a division, and the moment you cannot, then it's a race to the bottom. It's like a mad dash scramble. You know, it's the cheese roll where they roll down the hill and everybody just tries to get to the bottom first. And the reason it works, the reason it continues to work, there's there's very little outcry about this. Right. Because, because to be a fan or to be a radio sports talk show host or to be a baseball writer, there's this there's often this sense of if if I have a problem with that, that means I don't get it. I'm not as smart as them. And so there becomes this narrative of, well, these guys have it figured out that past generations hadn't figured out. So, but let me ask you this. Would you, the Braves won what? One championship that got to the playoffs every year. And they, in the 90s, yeah. In the 90s, all the way. 14, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, would you, and, and I mean, that's exceptional regardless. But the point is, they weren't winning championships every year. They weren't getting to the World Series every year. But they had a chance every year, and they tried, and they kept their players together, and they re-signed their veteran guys. I don't know how old uh, Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz were at the ends of their Braves careers, um, but they kept them well into their 30s. Would you rather have that, or would you rather have the team where you don't know who the 
players on these rosters are for two or three years, and then you get a you get a real wide open shot at a championship, and maybe even win a championship, and then it goes downhill from there. Well, the model you mentioned for the Atlanta—that's the Cardinals. The, the Cardinals want—they don't think tanking is in their brand, and they say that there would be a backlash if they tried to do it. It's not something that they. Well, that's because they're stupid. They don't get it. They—they—they they, they, they don't. They don't get you know tanking. Yeah, they'll be even better. Imagine how many World Series they could have won over the years if they. I, I can't keep going. <laughs> I, I mean, Cubs. Well, well, but that's what I wanted to get your perspective of that. I mean, is that is that how I mean? Do you do you think that that because Cardinal fans wrestle with this? I mean, they certainly want the team to slingshot to a hundred wins, and they have won a hundred wins, but want them to be there. You know, like where where's the great draft pick? Where's the where's the Chris Bryant coming down the hallway with the Cardinals? Um, you know, and it's like, well, but they don't draft that high, and they don't draft that high because they well, constantly they get, they get being contending. Balance picks though, and the Cubs complain about this a lot. You know what I mean? You yeah. know what I mean? But so what's yeah. where do the card? I mean, are the Cardinals? Here's the here's the question: Are the Cubs more exciting because they tank and then peak and then possibly tank again? In the same sense that like gambling big and going all in on a on a on a royal flush is exciting, knowing that you might just lose the next few hands because it's an adrenaline spike, it's a rush. Whereas the Cardinals are just dull because they're hovering in that ninety that eighty eight to ninety four win zone all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's dull. You know, but and that's just not that's no that's not an adrenaline rush. There's no there's no wild fluctuation of their they're just kinda steady. Yeah, but this isn't football either where you play once a week and all week long builds up to the game and for three hours there's an adrenaline rush of one game that even if you're a mediocre team it's exciting but it's trying to recreate that i mean like this is our year right um so i mean the game's different but i mean to your sort of macro point on that i don't think it's better i I mean i grew up a baseball fan i I like when my players i like i like believing my team's trying put it that way i so do you think the cardinals model is better I think, yeah, I, I think it's not only better, I think it's, it's obviously got more integrity. It's, it's uh, if every team did it, the game, I mean, that, that would go miles toward fixing what's wrong with the game these days. Uh, yeah, I mean, every year a fan can, can go into a season thinking, you know, if things fall right, you know, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to be bad. We'll be in it. And if things fall right, it could be, it could be, um, uh, like what? What year was it? Not oh, the 2015. 100 wins, and you beat two 97. Yeah, 97. But then don't get out of the first round. Or it could be 2006. You win what? 82 games in a World Series. Yeah. And so, so, but you're, but you're always there. Of course, that's a better model. Of course, it is. Even if you miss the playoffs in that stretch. You're always there. Games mean something all the way into September. And the fact that you play every day for six months, that's extraordinary to be able to have year after year after year where almost every game means something. That's a product worth buying a ticket for. Yeah. Matt Carpenter, I think, played four games of his Cardinal career that did not count toward a possible playoff berth. Yeah. I think that's right. I think of his entire Cardinal career, there were only four games where they were eliminated from playoff contention. Until 2021, the Cubs, until the middle of 2021, the Cubs had a similar run starting in 2015. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, his career started in 2011. No, I, yeah, I understand that. I understand it. <laughs> yeah. But for the Cubs, I mean, that's pretty amazing. But but, but the, only in 2019, right at the end. And 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 I remember, I remember being amazed at that. Yeah. And and uh, and some then that spanned, you know, the careers of some of those young players at that point. But you know, you know, you talked about is that better than what the Cubs do? This and the, the Cubs have only done this for I mean, a decade now. Right. And prior to that. But they're not better than when they left it. That's the nope, thing. They're nope. not. They, they didn't even return to a point slightly above where they were. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like previous regimes and and, and, and previous efforts to put a core together to go all in and win. Yeah. The idea in Chicago for decades was to win that one championship. We're gonna we're gonna. This is the core that's gonna win that championship. It's it drove free agents to want to play there. Right. And it and it and it drove executives to want to take a job there every, any chance they got to be part of that effort. This this front, front office regime, the one thing I, I mean, I the one thing. I give them credit. They never promised a championship when they came in. What they promised is what they did not deliver. Any sort of a, a sustained uh, a sustained quote foundation for success. But also, uh, I mean, they talked, I think the exact quote was a player development machine. And it's it's anything but. I mean, they made all those moves at the at the trade deadline, and I don't think. And it was all for young players, and and those players were slotted in among their top ten and twenty in their system, and their farm system ranking for whatever it's worth yeah. by Baseball America didn't move from the twenty fourth spot. So what? How many wins will it take to win the division this year? So how many wins do you think it'll take to win the division? Probably a hundred. I mean, isn't that funny? Yeah. Like three teams tanking, and you're like, well, it might take 104. Because, because uh, you know, even if even if the Brewers trade Josh Hader, mm-hmm. which looks at least uh, like a 50-50 proposition, they've got enough front-line pitching, and if they add a bat or two, there's so many wins. There's, there's three teams where the Cardinals and the Brewers could pick up 15. The Brewers did last year, picked up 15 or 16 wins from the Cubs. Pick up 15 wins from each of those teams, that's 45. You split the other against the other team, you're, you're mid-50s in wins before you ever play a game outside the division. Mm-hmm. And so now you know, you could have a, a National League Central division like, like you had the top of the National League West this year with 200-win teams, and it could come down to American League games deciding the division title. <laughs> right, against the East. Yeah. Right. Of it's, all, of all divisions. It's going to be somebody probably yeah. outside the division. That'll that be like the hardest different. division the, 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 the central teams play in next year will be the American yeah. League East. You know, That's crazy. So that brings me to the last thing I want to ask you about and sort of the crux of this. Boris spoke to us and he talked about how the draft changed things and because they put a cap on the draft spending and because draft money, not just draft picks, but the draft bonus pool became so valuable, there was this race to the bottom and there was this kind of tanking cycle that teams could succeed with because it worked. That's why teams did it. Or And also because the money involved. They got revenue by, by severely slashing payroll because why spend on payroll because the difference between 74 wins and 82 or 80 wins was no longer was no longer beneficial. So that brings me to this question. If you have what happens in the NL West, a 107-win team, a 106-win team, neither of them get to the World Series. They're ousted by an 88. Does the randomness of the playoffs also invite tanking? 
Um, because in this, what in this, good is it if this? Lord, I mean, let me re- well, rephrase it. Does those the random no. is an argument against tanking? That's what I mean. Is it an argument against? Because if you clear the avenue for one great year, and you can go and win well, 110 part games. Of what happened was one of those teams was a wild card team, right? Because of that, so they had to spend a pitcher just to get to a series, and then and then they won that series, but in five games, and 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 then. You know, Boris's point was that because of tanking, an 88-win Braves team right. could be essentially be a 100-win team by the end of the season. But I, I put it this way: No, like, like, I, is it is the random? No, because because of this. Look, what it does is it creates it it creates an incentive. It almost it almost drives it more because you have to win a division. Put yourself in the best position, right? Right. Okay. So, so like for instance, people say, "Well, you should expand the playoffs, and that'll make people want to try more." No, it won't. It'll probably make fewer teams want to try because now, now that first round, like, like making the play, like, like you'll dismiss so much of of making the playoffs. I see. That because because the there's no advantage. There's you know, yeah, we saw it when there were what 16 teams made the playoffs right, in 2020. Yeah, yeah, um, it was a crapshoot in that first round, right? And and nobody sign, nobody's going to sign up for a crapshoot. No, crapshoots aren't going to incentivize people. And so that's why you know they tank so they can put a team together ultimately that will swamp a division, so that now you not only go straight to a series but you host a series. Mm. I mean that, that's what you're trying to. That's what the regular season's all about anymore. So no, it won't incentivize because you still you still want to be. You still won't consider yourself ready to win until you're ready to be a super team. And even then, but that's one point, I guess, is and even then there are no guarantees in October now. Right. So what's the benefit of being a super team? And not only that, but but just just take a look at only one team can win it every year. If so, if nine teams tank over the course of a five-year period to put their teams together, multiple teams are going to sort of come of age at the same time, and still only one's going to win. And you're going to have all these. Look at the White Sox. They tanked. They used the Cubs in that city as cover for doing it. Say, hey, we're smart too. And people bought it. They've won one playoff game the last two years after they put the wow. teams together that wow. were ready to win. And their and their their records during the regular season were probably somewhat inflated because of some of the tanking going on around it. You got to go because you got to go talk to your general manager. Yeah. La- last two questions then. All right. So who? Yeah. These are simple. Who's your pick to win the division? Yeah, uh, uh, Cardinals. All right. Then the bigger question, because it's the better race, who's your pick to finish last in the division? Because that's really where the where the more compelling race is, apparently. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, I think the the Pirates are kind of treading water, and so I think that uh, they'll get better. I think the Cubs, and I think for this reason, because Wade Miley looks like a guy that's going to pitch innings. He's going to be a guy they flip. They're going to get worse after the deadline. Wow. Enjoy. All right. Thanks a lot. Imagine your home totally organized. Closet by Design of St. Louis can help you get organized with 40% off plus an additional 15% off and get free installation. Call 1-800-BYDESIGN. See, threw you a curveball there to see if you're still listening. 1-800-BY-DESIGN. Get organized with Closet by Design of St. Louis. Update your closets, garage, office, pantry, and more. Closet by Design of St. Louis, the official sponsor of the best podcast in baseball. The best podcast in baseball is available anywhere you get your podcasts, including 
stltoday.com, where you can find the best podcast in baseball and all of the previous episodes, plus all of the constant Cardinals coverage. BPIB can also be found, say, on iTunes, where you can subscribe to the podcast. Subscriptions make the sponsorships possible, and sponsors make the podcast possible. So, too, do your ratings and reviews of the podcast. Help us know the direction we're going in, because BPIB doesn't exist here in, what, year nine approaching year 10 so a decade of bpib doesn't exist without the community that has grown around it and hopefully has a product that it can shape and has been responsive to the people who listen to the best podcast in baseball stay tuned stay healthy talk to you soon